It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 10th of October. Hey, friends. You want to run down a geeky analytical shot distribution all about the preseason? Oh my gosh, that's the worst offer anyone's ever given you. We'll talk a little Donovan Mitchell, which you do want to talk about, and we will go down a geeky little analytical hole about shot distribution in the preseason, plus Tony Bradley on Culture Code. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. How? How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. Hope you are super. Come on, you're so fired up for this geek fest right here. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky little numbers. Oh, come on. You can get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or tell your smart speaker to play Locked on Jazz. Today's show is brought to you by the store and by Shamrock Auto. I'm guessing that my friend Rob Taylor is going to like all this geeky numbers. I think my friends Jeff and Scott over at the store will too. All right, so here's what's going on. Every single day, I'm listening to all these coaches talk about we got to take more threes, this and that. So we're through preseason, almost. There's a bunch of false data in here because there's games against the Beijing Ducks and the Flamengo Flamengos and the Hoffa uh, team and the Adelaide Wildcat, oh, the Perth Wildcats and the Adelaide 36ers and the Shanghai Sharks. So this data sucks. But I still think there's got to be something in it. So I went on a deep dive, and you're going to come with me. Well, or you're just going to go listen to a different podcast. So last year in the NBA, 65% of all shots were smart shots. What does that mean? So 65% of all smart shot, shots were either threes or in the restricted area. Specifically, 33.7% of all shots were threes. And 31.6% of all shots were in the restricted area. So what's going on in preseason? Has anyone really changed? That's, that in turn is the, that is the question That I want to know. Now, I watched the Utah Jazz play the Adelaide 36ers and saw that this was a team that had no idea how to play NBA basketball that would not do anything to, um, that didn't do anything to take away the three. And so the Jazz were able to take 50% of their shots as threes. And so I understand that this data is somewhat false. So my thought is, and I don't have the capability of taking out those games. But I have taken out those teams, so this is only NBA team data. But my thought here is we can see some trends of how teams are playing, and we can see whether there's a league-wide trend. So let's start with the threes. 33.7% of all shots last year were threes. So far in the preseason, 35.4% of all shots are threes. So it's up two percentage points. Feels like a lot, but maybe not 
in the sense of what I talked about. But two percentage points seems like a we're up to 35% of all shots are threes. Some of the teams that are at the, the Rockets are taking 61% of all of their shots as threes. 61% of all shots the Rockets have taken in the preseason are threes. The Jazz are at 42%, which is really high. It's great. I'd love it if the Jazz stayed over 40% for the season. Last year, just to put this in perspective, the Rockets were number one at 50%. The Brooklyn Nets were number two at 41%. Number three was Dallas at 38. So only one Two teams in the NBA last year were over 40% of their threes taken. The Jazz are at 42%. New Orleans is at 41%. Atlanta's at 43%. Detroit's at 40%. Bucks are at 41%. The Bucks are at 41% of all shots taken as threes. The Wizards are at 41% of all shots taken as threes. Dallas is at 43%. Okay. And Brooklyn is still at 40%. So what I'm seeing here is those teams that have said it, that are committing, are way in. Again, whether they can do this in the regular season is different. But how about that for a transformation? The 33 to 35 says one thing, but the amount of teams that are over 40%, two in last regular season, and now you have... I think a third of the league, 10 of the 30 teams, again, Brooklyn, Dallas, Washington, Milwaukee, Detroit, Atlanta, New Orleans, Utah, and Houston, so that's nine, at 40%. Philadelphia's at 39, Charlotte's at 38, Minnesota's at, Miami's at 38, Denver's at 38, there's some teams that are awfully close. Boston's at 37. The crazy one is the amount of teams that haven't committed. Oklahoma City's taken 31% of their shots as threes. Sacramento, 29%. Clippers, 29%. Knicks, 28%. Minnesota, 27 Lakers, 27 Warriors are only at 34 Bulls are at 30 Pacers are at 31 Cleveland's at 28%. Orlando's at 28%. And the Spurs have taken only 22% of all of their shots in the preseason as threes. Let's go to the other side of this. Restricted area. That's the best shot in the game still, getting to the rim. League average last year, 31.6. So far in the preseason, 33% of all shots are at the rim. Up a little. That makes some sense. Defensive schemes aren't as good. Playing with some lesser guys. That I think that move seems fairly non, you know, doesn't make. The Rockets have only taken 19% of their shots in the restricted area because they've taken 61% of their shots as threes. So let's go to another way to look at this. How many teams are just completely digging in on smart shots? So the Rockets last year were at 82% of their shots were smart shots. 
Brooklyn was the second best in the league at 72%. The Raptors were third at 71% of their shots as smart shots. Cleveland was fourth at 70%. We had four teams last year that were at 70% of their shots as smart shots. In the preseason, Atlanta's at 80. Charlotte's at 74. Dallas is at 75. Denver's at 74. Detroit is at 72. Houston's at 79. Miami's at 70. Milwaukee is at 81% of all of their shots are smart shots. The Pelicans are at 75. The 76ers are at 72. The Suns are at 74. The Blazers are at 70. Where did Utah go? How do I not have Utah? The irony that somehow I just did all this work and somehow left out Utah? I did. Oh, no, there's the Raptors in Utah. I just didn't go down far enough. That's 11 teams so far. And last year it was four. And of course there's... And then of of the three teams that I missed, all of those are over 70. Toronto's at 73, Utah's at 77, and Washington's at 74. So half the league has suddenly gone to 70% or more smart shots. And last year... The league was at four guys. Again, preseason, what I don't know is how much this actually holds. But it's you can see that those teams that are in are in. And those teams that are out are not committed. And that's obvious. Teams that are on the low end. Interestingly, the Warriors are at 62%. Pacers at 67 Clippers, who last year lived at the rim, are at 67 because they're not shooting threes. Lakers are at 68%. Memphis, 65 Minnesota's only taken 53% of their shots as smart shots. New York's at 62% at smart shots. Orlando's at 58 And San Antonio's at 45%. Sacramento's at 59%. So what, we're, what I'm seeing in preseason, at least is this incredible division now taking place in the league that while the numbers are up, right, so we're up from 33% to 35% from three, and we're up from 31.6% to 33% from in the restricted area, what I'm actually seeing is this incredible dichotomy between teams that are in and teams that are not. The two biggest stories to me are Atlanta at 80%, and Milwaukee at 81%. From a Utah standpoint, Quinn's pushing it 77%. Jazz have taken 35% of their shots at the rim, 42% of their shots as threes for 77%. The Jazz are also, by the way, shooting, like mid-range shooting is just not been, not been good so far. 28% on long twos. You know what? This is worth checking. Everyone has continually tried to claim 
that as the time goes on, that everyone will get better at shoot. Oh, the mid-range game will come back as people get better shooting it. Now that the, I, I just don't, I don't fundamentally believe that. There's been no signs of that at all. Let me check preseason. We're in the rabbit hole. Thirty-six point six percent on long twos. It's like just exactly what it was. Thirty-seven point seven percent on shots that are. In the paint, non-restricted area. Um, the sheet I'm working off gives me one corner three and the other, so I'll have to meld those together for you in a second. Um, above the break three is down to 32.7%. That's interesting. So in the pre, that's probably because a bunch of guys that aren't as good are playing. And because Chicago's shooting 20% on above-the-break threes. Wow. What are we shooting? We should be good. 42% on above-the-break threes. That's a little unnatural. Philadelphia's at 28%. Suns are 28 That That's where some of these maybe don't hold. Corner threes at 37% again. It's a little, it's right about. So the numbers are almost holding. But it's interesting to see the trends. The Spurs are taking 45% of their shots as smart shots, 24% at the rim, 22%. The the Spurs have taken more shots in the paint non-restricted and mid-range twos than they have restricted area shots in in either of those than restricted area shots. Wow. Minnesota doesn't seem to have bought in yet to the analytical numbers either. They've only taken 18 corner threes in the whole preseason. All right, that is a fun little rundown for you. At least I thought so. Today's show is brought to you in part by The Store. I had such a fun time the other day at The Store. I stayed forever. Poor Scotty and Amy and Jeff wanted to get work done. I'm talking to Amy and making her just stick around forever and hang out with me. It's kind of what I do to clients. That's why people should never advertise in the show, because I never leave. So many fun things at the store. New chef-designed wraps and sandwiches made fresh in-house. They're back in the back left-hand corner. Uh, the There is a absolutely fabulous one with brie that probably you'll see Amy eating, the smoked turkey uh, with brie. Great flavors. There's new salads in the deli as well. The Tuscan pasta with tomato and pesto look just fabulous. Tailgate items are ready to go. Yes, your utes kicked the crap out of my cardinal. I'm perfectly aware of it. You can go get all your stuff. And the mudslide cookie is up to the number two most sold cookie at the store. It needs to be number one. They say it's not close. They have no chance. Don't doubt the power of the Lockdown Jazz listener. A lot of great stuff. 6200 South and 20th East. When you go into the store, you're going to feel that local feel. The minute you get there, the June pies right out in front. The produce off to the left. Then you come through and there's the cheese table and all the local things. All the way from local things from June pies to cotton candy that's made locally. And the new Wasatch Roasting Company coffee. As well as the Publix coffee and the Pink Elephant coffee. I like coffee, right? All right, it's all at the store. 6200 South, 20th East. Stop on by. You will feel that local touch when you're there and get great products. Life is complicated, especially right now. You're spending more time inside, unable to go to restaurants, and that means you're cooking dinner. But if you're like me, I hate cooking. 
multiple trips to the grocery store, hours of monotonous meal prep just so you can scarf down your food in minutes. So when it's dinner time, I grab my phone, open up an app, and order something. But after convenience fees, delivery fees, and who knows whatever other fees, it ends up being close to $100 for two people. But then I met Freshly. Just put up your feet and relax while Freshly chefs and nutritionists do all the hard work. All you do is heat for three minutes and dinner's done. Imagine a better for you golden oven fried chicken, steak peppercorn with sauteed carrots and French green beans, and my personal favorite, buffalo chicken with loaded mashed cauliflower. It's got fewer carbs. That's just a few of the 30 plus health conscious options to choose from. Freshly understands that food needs to be delicious, healthy, and simple because let's be honest here. If it's not easy, I'm not going to do it. And if it doesn't taste good, I don't want to eat it. Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off, $40 off for their first two orders at freshly.com slash locked on NBA. That's freshly.com slash locked on NBA. Our next Culture Club interview with Tony Bradley is coming up. I am getting just a ton of questions about Donovan. So let me see what I can do on this. So first, I think there's a chance that Donovan could struggle a little bit out of the shoot. I think the ex I've said this the whole time, the expectations, the second year, like it was harder than I think anyone remembers it to be, probably including Donovan, though he would disagree with that. And so I think there's a chance that he presses early in the year and doesn't get into a rhythm at first. I don't buy at all the idea that he is going to suddenly um, have a different defensive structure than he's had to face before. Teams knew that he was the show. His effective field goal percentage last year was 50.6. That is above the league average. So I would suspect he's near that again. I don't suspect he would suddenly become drastically inefficient. I know he's been criticized or been commented that he takes a lot of shots, but that most a lot of them are threes and he's hitting him so it's fine. Uh his usage rate was mammoth last year to 30%. I don't see anything on the roster that changes that. I think the biggest issue is going to be whether we actually remember what Donovan really was like last year and what Donovan really remembers that he was like last year. So, I mean, he was a 23-point-a-game scorer after December 1. He had good games and bad games. He dominated and was incredible at times, and at other times there were stretches where he couldn't buy it. And that's also how the playoffs went, frankly. He was kind of awesome in some games and then 4 of 16 in other games. For the final 57 games of the year, he averaged 23 points a game. He shot 45% full of floor. And he shot 33% from three. The only thing I think that anyone's missing on is this feeling that he's going to take this massive jump. Boy, I'd be really surprised if he makes more than 45% of his shots. Like, there just are not a lot of high-volume usage guards that are making more than 45% of the shots. It's a hard thing to do. 
he made 34% of his threes. Do I think he's going to 38? No. Honestly? And I'm not trying to, like, I just don't think that's realistic. Like, Damian Lillard, who I would, like, if you asked me, quite honestly, who's a better shooter, Donovan Mitchell or Damian Lillard? Dame spiked his second year. He went from 37 to 39, but, like, since then, he's 37% his career. So if Dame's at 37 and Donovan's at 33, and I think Dame's just a more natural shooter, which I think I think that, and Dame was at 36% last year. When you start taking nine a game, that's, you're not shooting over 35%. Like, you're taking nine a game. Some of those are not going to be great looks. Can Donovan do what Dame did? 27 points a game. 44% from the field, 36% from three? Maybe. Sure. That would be incredible. That, to me, that's incredible. That's mind-blowing if he did that in his second year. Dame just did that last year in his sixth year. Dame in Dame's second year, Dame went from 42.9 to 42.4% shooting. Like 43% shooting is a very real number for a high-volume second-year player in the NBA. Dame's a good comp because of their age. Dwayne Wade, which everybody wants to talk about, is not a great comp because of the fact that he didn't shoot the three. But I don't think Allen Iverson shot 41% his first year, 46 his second year because he brought his usage way down. Brought his usage back up, went to 41%. Shot 30% from three. Donovan's a better shooter than that. Averaged 26, 27 points a game in his third year. His second year, he averaged 22. So I would suspect on Donovan, there's a struggle early of re-trying to figure out what his role is, what the pressure is, how he fits, what goes on. And then he rolls back into... His relatively incredible 23 points a game, 44% shooting, 34, 35% from three. That is amazing. And I think that's probably where he is. I don't know. I feel as though, because I'm getting asked a lot about him, that maybe we have a different expectation that there's going to be some mammoth jump. Boy, I don't know how you... There aren't a lot of mammoth jumps out of that year that he just had. He was that great. And there aren't a, there isn't a lot of track record for guys who did what he did, right? We're, we're into a pretty limited scope of players with a usage rate, usage rate is percent of 29% or above. I mean, that's, that, you don't find that one very often. And so I don't know how you, I don't know what people are, this is a complicated conversation because when people are asking me, you know, well, what, what do you think about Donovan? This is Donovan going to be all right. Like, I don't know what you're asking, kind of, I guess is part of what um, is, is kind of what's hard for me because I don't think. I mean, I think it's going to be 
a difficult year at times. But I don't think you should, because I think the expectations are that hard. Guys with, you know, guys at 22 years old who had a usage rate of 28 or higher were LeBron, Michael Jordan, Kevin Durant, Shaq, Derrick Rose, and Amari Stoudemire. That's it. Derrick Rose was incredible. His rookie year, he shot 48%, only 22% from three, and then shot 49% his second year, and again only took one three a game. He added the three in the 2010-11 season when he wins MVP and then gets hurt in twenty in 2011-12. Um, doesn't add it at a high. It takes five a game. But his first two years... Even his thing, he's not a comp to Donovan. He wasn't shooting threes. And age-wise. So I don't know what I, if I answered your question or not. I do think there'll be a struggle early. I think he'll press a little bit. Um, and then I think he'll just kind of roll into his regular thing. Culture Code with Tony Bradley is coming up next. If you are looking for a used car or a nearly new car, May I suggest that you take the trek, if it's a trek, to Pleasant Grove. If it's not a trek, you should be there anyway. Because down in Pleasant Grove is Rob Taylor and the Shamrock Auto Group. The backstory on the Shamrock Auto Group is that Rob uh, was in a car buying process, decided they didn't like it, went and found a, a mechanic, got him to go do his car buying, so that then he always knew what was going on. Pretty cool stuff he's got. Rob's fun. So Rob's a big Locked On Jazz listener. So Rob wants to do two things that are really fun. If you buy a car or truck in October, he is going to give you a $1,000 cash bonus if the Jazz win the NBA championship, because he's convinced of that. He thinks there's a chance. He thinks we knock up the Warriors. We're in the finals. I love it. Also, that's if they win. You get a free lifetime seven-day cooler, which is comparable to a Yeti Lifetime's Utah company. They're an independent car dealership, just past Point of the Mountain, Draper, Riverton, Sandy area, head down the way. Most of the cars are 6 to 12 months old, five to 20,000 miles, Utah salt vehicles, Suburbans, Yukons, big SUVs. Better cars, no drama, no hassle, great pricing, can get you any truck or any sedan. People come from out of state, they come from all around, because Rob can get them what they want. And if you take a second and go look at the Google reviews on Shamrock Auto, it's incredible. While my own plans to purchase from these guys fell through, I had an amazing experience. My sister and her husband loved this place and recommended me here. Callan and Jake were super helpful and friendly. That is a Google review from someone who didn't buy a car and still loved them. It's amazing. Sam Rock Auto Group out in Pleasant Grove. Hi, this is Nate Duncan from Locked On's Hollinger and Duncan podcast. Those of you who listen to our show know that I try to take a measured approach. I'm not prone to hyperbole. It really takes something special to get me excited. But with all that said, Theragun is simply one of the best products that I have ever used. I just turned 40. I've always loved to work out, to play basketball when it's safe. And as I got into my 30s, it just wasn't possible to do that anymore the way I wanted to because my body didn't feel right. And Theragun has helped me fix so many of the aches and pains. I tried everything, massages, 
chiropractors, this at-home device, handheld percussive therapy, has worked better than any of those for me. And now, the all-new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor. It's so quiet. It's no louder than an electric toothbrush. And best of all, you can try Theragun risk-free for 30 days. There's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and the quiet and power you need starts at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on, the name of this network, right now, and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on. Theragun.com slash locked on. Tony, when you guys finished the season, the one thing that everyone said was family. Feels like family. What did you guys mean by that? Uh, everyone's pretty close. I feel like everyone's pretty close. Um, we just feel like we're all united as one. Everyone's on the same page, especially. Um, and it brings great chemistry on the court. You've been a part of a national championship group, so maybe this applies to that a little bit. But why do certain groups add up to be greater than the sum of their parts? Uh, I think just the little things like being having unity and chemistry um, makes the team even more successful, especially on the court and off the court. But um, I think that's what it starts off with, especially with the team, just doing things together, getting on one accord and on the same page. We think of basketball skills, shooting, dribbling, rebounding. What are culture skills? What are the skills you need to have a good culture? Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if I can answer that one. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, without maybe, have you been in bad basketball cultures before? Uh, yeah, I have. So what's the opposite of that, I guess? Just playing as a team. Um, giving the ball, passing the ball to open man, you know, not shooting a bad shot. Um, just playing team basketball, I guess I can just So that's that. trust? Yeah. How is trust built? Built on, I would just say, getting to know a guy, getting to know a person, just, you know, chemistry, um, unity. I think that's what it's based off of. So you watched a lot of last year, right? Observed, maybe is a better word than watched. What did you see that allowed that to be built? Um, it just starts with, it just starts with uh, off the court, especially hanging out, getting together, watching, I don't know, watching games, eating together, things like that, and then translate that, and then just uh, on the court. There's a book called Culture Code that's out, and it's got all these studies in it. One of them might be a little bit obvious, but it's interesting. They have a group of five people or four people, and they put in somebody who has great energy, positive person, does really has very little impact on what this group is doing, and yet the group becomes much more efficient. Same group, similar group, same task, negative person. Makes you question everything. Who is the, and they obviously do less well, who's the person in this group that you watch that's that positive person that just kind of interjects that positive energy? Donovan. I think Donovan is the one that starts it from my from my point of view. From what I see, he always wants to, uh, you know, just be interactive with everyone, social with everyone, just build that, that bond. Youngster playing last year, if you made a mistake, did you feel like, oh gosh, or did you feel like, they'll get me? Me? Yeah, they'll take care of me. Uh, I mean... It's kind of half and half, kind of half and half, you know. Um, 
course, I make mistakes. Someone's gonna come and you know just say they could have done this better, could have done this, could have passed it. You know, you know what I'm saying. But you know, it's like half and half. So. I thought the on-floor communication was unique. How much jazz players during the game talk to each other compared to other teams. What, where, where do you think that comes from? Off the court, just being cool off the court, just talking the same way as you would off the court on the court. It's interesting. Um, they talk about how in one of these parts that our brain is naturally actually built to look for danger, that we look for where things are going to go wrong, and that to get a good group that off the court stuff you actually have to get through that first you have to have a level of vulnerability that makes you believe you're okay how does how does that happen inside of a group that you you're no longer looking for what's wrong i feel like it starts with trust like pretty much all the stuff we talk about trust unity bonding all that stuff leads up to you know trusting someone is that sharing personal information, sharing basketball worries? Is that you looking to Donovan and at some point saying, dude, I'm actually scared? Or like It could lead to all that. It's different level. I feel like there's different levels to it, you know, just getting into detail with things, especially not even, even to do with basketball, like family, you know, daughters, wives, all that, uncles, you know, passings of, I don't know, anything could happen, just getting into uh, different details outside of basketball. And once you've shared that moment, then basketball's different? Yeah, I feel like if you share if you share that moment, then that like you're definitely trusting that person, and it's he's going to be even closer and tighter with uh, to do with basketball. And who can you share those things with? Uh, with me personally? Yeah. Um, pretty much anybody on the team. Really? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of cool. I haven't been here for a year, right? Right. Right. Um, anybody in particular that was a mentor in any way? Uh. I guess I could just say Donovan. Donovan's pretty cool. How does Quinn fit into all of this? His communication, they talk that great cultures kind of all have to almost over-communicate a bit. Um, I, th- I think everyone thinks he over-communicates. How does his communication fly work into this? He's pretty much the leader of, of this group, um, and I feel like it trickles from him to us, you know, to each other. So, Tony, thanks a bunch, man. Thank you. Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.